to the second part of the February episode of the Luton Town Supports Trust podcast. In part one, you will have heard us discuss the end of the transfer window, uh, the recent matches, a proper focus on the Cardiff game, and we looked into the form of James Collins and Harry Cornick. Uh, here is part two, and we will start it off by talking about uh, Nathan Jones's press conference prior to the Cardiff game. James, uh, and I'll probably focus uh, with you on this one because you were part of the Zoom press conference. Um, there were a few interesting things to take out of that. You mentioned it earlier that relegation is not a word that's used down at the club, which is interesting. But the first, and I'll pick up on that with both of you in a minute. But the first thing that leapt out at me as soon as I heard it, as soon as I read it on your report on your website and everything else, players picking the points targets for the month and and all the targets for the month and things. Now, the points targets for the month, anyone who's listened to this podcast for the four seasons that we've been doing it, that won't be a surprise. Nathan's mentioned it on all of the occasions that we've had him on the podcast, how points per month is a thing. But the players picking it kind of, well, it surprised me. I don't know if it surprised you, but it makes an awful lot of sense, doesn't it? How did you, how, how did you react when you heard it? Well, I mean, you don't often get uh, these sorts of, uh, you don't get these insights too often. Uh, we've no, heard, you like, don't. I mean, I should say, if you've not seen this press conference, it's out of date now in terms of the fact that the game's been and gone. But do listen to it if you do, or, or watch it, sorry, if you do have uh, an iFollow account, because it, it, is, it is worth, it really is worth your time. Sorry, go on. Yeah, absolutely. Is uh, you know when he mentioned it, it 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 was it was fairly unprompted, um, and sort of then just got skipped along, and somebody else asked another question. So I thought it was I thought it was really interesting. So I I pulled that thread a little bit more and, and asked him about it because um, it, it's an interesting one, I think, from a man management point of view, in that. If you give, if you're just a manager that dictates all the time, so this, do this, do that, X, Y, and Z. Um, I can see if things don't aren't going well on the pitch, that can be a little bit wear, uh, wearing. Um, and he's obviously talked about how he's grown as a manager, but the fact that he's been doing this from the very start with Luton players suggests to me that. Um, he understands that element of man management where it gives people own their own personal investment which is a little bit extra than just getting the three points uh, playing well uh, and that because you you set the targets yourself at the beginning you, you you can be realistic he says they're being very bold uh, which i would suggest probably stems from them being very successful in lower divisions uh, but also shows a bit of confidence I think as well there's there's obviously something that has gone on since he's come back uh, and yes let's give Graham Jones some credit as well from the Middlesbrough game the Middlesbrough victory onwards until the lockdown but he Nathan Jones obviously carried that on so he would have brought that back to the club and, and given those players uh, that license to to think a bit more deeply about it and, and invest some time 
and it's not just them just saying it, it gives them sheets, a bit of paper, they have to write it down as well. It's a very interesting concept. So I sort of asked him, is, you know, where have you got that from? Is, is that something that came from your playing career? And it, and it isn't. So he's obviously picked that up from somewhere. I don't know uh, quite where, but it's a very interesting concept, really. Um, and uh, I'd like to be in the room when they when they have these little conflabs, con really. But you, you, I know it's not the this is not the reality. But I've watched enough, uh, you know, Mike Bassett, England manager, and such like to 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 see that. The old school version of a, of a manager is somebody that comes in the change room, chucks teacups at people and tells them that they're not doing something right or something. Obviously, that's not how it is. That's, that's, that's not how football works. And that's not how uh, the modern player would be very receptive to that, I, I wouldn't venture. But yeah, it's a really interesting uh, tactic, I think, just to maybe galvanise the team together, galvanise the squad, get them thinking about what they need to achieve uh, beyond just saying concentrate on the next game and other such cliches that footballers often try out so yeah you don't often get these insights I think but it's just a very interesting part of how Luton operates I think yeah I mean it really clearly is a thing isn't it because if you think back to the nine game season under Nathan last season you know to a man you all try to get a points number out of him or you know, if we lost a game, oh, how damaging is that to our chances of getting of staying up? And if we won a game, oh, that must have been a brilliant boost. And the reaction all the time was, we've got a points total that we were aiming for, and if we get there, we'll stay up. It was almost every single time you asked a question, you just press play on the button and repeated the the answer. So it's it's clearly a um, a big thing, Tony. I'm kind of interested in this from a sort of one of the reasons why I'm not a professional athlete point of view that. If I've put down my points target for a month, we've got six games in the month and my points target's 10, and we've won the first three and drawn the, the fourth one, you know, I've got the old cigar on and my feet are up for the last two games because we've got our target. But that's never really struck me as being the case with, with these players. So the fact that they, like James said, they invest into this kind of, it almost makes me think it's a bit of genius. But Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean... I'm probably, well, I, I know I'm older than you two. And, and, and yeah, there's I, no probably about that. <laughs> um, I, I, I watched football late 60s, 70s, 80s. And you're right, the, the whole management ethos has, has, has totally changed. You know, um, you had on the one hand, you had somebody like Brian Clough, where without a shadow of his doubt, his players were scared to death of him. <laughs> Um, and didn't want to let him down. And, and now it's turned right around. I mean, the thing is, the game has become more scientific. Um, it's statistic-driven. Um, and sports psychologists, there's more come into it. And, and if you look at it now, it, it encompasses diet and lifestyle and everything of the players. Whereas, you know, as I said in the time, I, I can remember Jake Finley the game at Liverpool came off um, injured and in the dugout, and there he is sitting smoking a fag. You wouldn't see that these <laughs> days. Um, so, oh, but I, I think it's, it, it's really good because I think half the thing is with, with the club, it, it's having something that the players can buy into. Um, and we know full well 
that that's how Nathan operates. He he always tries to see the positive in everything, and uh, he drives the players forward, and 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 he can motivate them and get them to lift their game, and 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 that's what's so good. Um, you know, it, it was said before that when he came, you know, when he came back, you know, you've got the manager there that. Uh, players will literally run through a brick wall for him, and uh, it, it, it's great. And and when people or players leave the club, um, I don't think I've heard anybody have a bad word uh, about Luton, about the system that's employed, or or, or even about Nathan. Um, everybody seems to think highly of it, and and it's working. I mean, you, you look at the interview with KDH; he had nothing but good to say, and. Uh, you know, you know full well if we, as a club, if Leicester wanted to sell him and we had the money, we'd be probably be at the top of the queue. And and that's what you get feelings from the players that when they go, they don't, with few exceptions, they don't really want to go. And they've all got good memories and they all love the club and they, they don't have a bad word to say. So I, I think it, it, it's good. It's good for the club. And, and that's, you know, realistically, I think why we are operating above what should be our true level we are punching above our weight we haven't got the money we haven't got the financial clout so we've got to have something else and, and, and i think nathan's approach and what the club are doing is the right way and i think you'll find as it goes on i think you'll get clubs looking at it and going what are they doing at luton why what, why is it working this way what, what what's happening and they'll start to follow our ethos i think that was what will happen and uh you know, I don't. I don't think it's totally just Nathan. I I think it's the whole thing, the spirit of the support, is what we went through ten years ago, and the hard times in the conference, and and, and we all do pull together. And and it, I know it's cliche. You say, you know, we're not supporters. We're we're a family. But that's how it certainly feels. We seem closer to the club, and then as the other thing, and I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm I'm proud and happy to be a Luton fan. Yeah, there's always been this bond, hasn't there, between Nathan Jones and the club, James? Uh, and obviously, really and truly, the bond is Nathan Jones and the players, isn't it? They're the ones that are in contact with each other every single day. So maybe he's just shed the light on exactly what it is that makes that bond so special. Yeah, very, you know, very potentially. Something has gone on so positively to affect uh, the club to the point where they have had the biggest points turnaround of any club in the championship from this point last season. Um, you know, from from being dead and buried, even halfway, I thought, through that nine games period when he came back to 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 getting out there on the uh, on the last day, the great escape. And now to be talking about even talking about uh, being you know nine points off the playoffs and anything but the top two is a um, is a possibility. His his words. Um, I think we, we all three of us here are unanimous in that. I think playoffs is might be a bit of a stretch uh, this season, but to get we the club think in, that, sorry, just to cut across you, we think that, but the players clearly don't because I asked both. Yeah, KDH and Tom Lockyer, and I made a point of asking them both. Is it realistic? And they both said yes. Yeah, no. I mean, it is realistic because. If they could just add some uh, clinical finishing, which is what we've already talked about, of course they can, because that's where the results would have changed around in the last month since we last did a podcast. Um, yeah, so it is, it is possible. I think you, 
if you be uh, if you have that short sharp dose of realism that, that Tony wants a Luton councillors to have, if we have that ourselves, and we we say that probably it's a little bit of a stretch, but rule nothing out. But you know, to have that little bit of insight about you know how things work um, behind the scenes, um, to sort of it 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 goes to show. What a positive effect he has on the club and it also ties in with what we spoke about earlier trying to do things a little bit differently getting these new fellas in uh, the scouting and the statistical analysis to try and uh, chip away at any tiny little glimmer of light which may boost Luton's chances in an otherwise um, in a league that's otherwise you know money dominated and Luton don't have it it's the old you know and I've mentioned this before in previous podcasts but it is the old uh, the British cycling um, mentality of marginal gains just trying to find them is probably the challenge but there's so much good work going on behind the scenes that we don't that we hear about there's got to be stuff that we don't hear about so to get that little bit of insight was it's very interesting yeah, it really was as I said um, at the start of that piece if you've not seen the press conference um it really is worth you know seeing and who knows maybe it'll become free to view because it is um so so interesting uh, i mean the other revelation as well is i know we always sign on character and, and everything else but we've actually found 30 footballers that can read and write stereotypes that suggest <laughs> that they're not easy to come by either so um fair play. indeed from you kev <laughs> <laughs> it's them um, you know hey Fair play to uh, fair play to all of them, and clearly they're hitting their targets more often uh, than than they're not. Tony, the other thing that struck me uh, in the, in that press conference is the word relegation. He didn't say it was banned from um, the inner sanctums of the club or anything like that. It's just not a word that's used. Twofold question, really. Then one, are you happy with that? And two, as a fan, are you looking over your shoulder at the relegation zone, or are you? No, we can forget the relegation zone and we're all agreed that we're not going to make the playoffs, but we can finish as high as we possibly can. Mm. Or are you a little bit like, yeah, we still need to keep that relegation thing in mind? And and I'll, I'll throw at you the question that I asked Tom Lockyer purposefully last week because he suffered the same kind of situation with Charlton last season that I'm sure Charlton fans come February the 17th were like, well, let's finish as high as we possibly can. And three months later, the, you know, well, we all know what happened to them. Where are you on that? Um, I, you always keep one eye on, on, on the relegation thing and you think mm, nine points. I, I don't think we're, it, it, it will be allowed to happen. I, I, I think Nathan will keep on top of it. And I, I, I don't think he'll allow the players to think that way. And uh, that's what I like to see um, him doing, banning that word, in effect. Um, of course, as, as a supporter, you think, oh, yeah, you look at Charlton, and in particular, you look at Hull. You know, at one point last season, they never looked like they were going to get involved in it, and all of a sudden, they dropped like a stone. And there is always that little thing at the back of your mind. Um, yeah, sure, one or two bad results, and we could get pulled down a little bit. I don't think we will get sucked into it realistically. Um, I won't say we're too good, but I, I, I think we've got enough now and enough about us to keep out of it. 
Um, I do think at this moment in time, playoffs are unrealistic. Um, but genuinely, uh, I, I want this to finish as, as high as possible. Um, so where are you on that then, James? Because out in the playoffs, um, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, sorry, Tony. I didn't mean to cut across you there, mate. Yeah. Get you lighter for that. <laughs> where are you on this, James? Because it was actually you that he said that the word promotion, uh, you know, the the band or you know they don't use it because you actually brought that word up in uh, in the press conference. Are you comfortable with that, or are you kind of slightly like well, that might be a little bit too overconfident? Well, no, I brought it up um, because of the 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 points cushion that they extended after they beat Birmingham and also just me um, you know sticking my finger in the air and engaging um, popular social media opinion for my sins <laughs> but uh, you won't be doing that this press conference no. that's for sure. but there seems an awful lot of people who are the first thought is let's get to that points tally where it no longer becomes an issue and that was where my point my my question was uh, coming from yeah because you but, threw out that same question that i mentioned that you didn't answer last season didn't you how many points will it need to stay up yes yeah exactly so it's not that which I actually he answered didn't he which is the first time he's ever answered it, it did so it, it's not necessarily it, it's not at all actually that as i've already stated that i think luton uh, have a chance of going down other than like one of those um you know one in a million disastrous sorts of things like you mentioned with with Charlton and Hull although you you can look at Hull and say they sold their two best players Luton aren't a star man sort of a team like that they're, they're a team and um I don't know what happened with Charlton maybe it was Lee Bowyer being cocky but uh, <laughs> it happened um so I, I don't I don't think that will happen also in the relegation uh, aspect I think uh, everyone other than the Wickham chairman thinks they're nailed on to go down and they look that way. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday still haven't got themselves out of it because of that points deduction, even though they got let off with some and got given some back. And Birmingham are one of the most dire teams I've seen. Um, I thought they were terrible even last season. <laughs> um, so you've got that buffer as well. So I... I I, I don't think that Luton will get relegated. I was purely just asking it because there are a lot of fans who, who uh, the first point of call is let's get to that points tally, let's breathe a sigh of relief. And if Luton, and as I mentioned earlier, if Luton can do that sooner rather than later, then I think that really stands them in good stead for next season because they can try some things. Yeah, there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of glasses half full, as opposed to. Um... Sorry, glasses half empty as opposed to glasses half full. Uh, those of you who are looking over your shoulders at relegation zone will be delighted to know that as we've been recording this podcast, Coventry, Birmingham and Rotherham have all either lost or look like losing. So uh, happy days with regards to that. Perspective then, chaps, because you never get perspective on social media. Uh, you know, the world's either going to end tomorrow or, you know, we're all going to be millionaires. It's you know, There is no in-between but we can offer some. Uh, you mentioned it a minute ago, James, that we are the, um, the the biggest turnaround in terms of points from this stage last season to um, this stage this season. We're actually 13 points ahead of where we were after 29 games last season. It was 16 points going into the Cardiff game, but um, we beat Derby in the 29th game last season, lost Cardiff 29th game this season. 
that shouldn't be paled into insignificance in any way, shape or form and actually should be lauded from the rooftops, really, shouldn't it? Because 13 points is four wins and a draw. So that's basically, you know, that's a hell of a lot of, that's a huge gap when you think that I'm pretty sure we hadn't even won 10 games by the time Nathan came back last season. So it's, it's effectively half the wins again that we got from last season. It's, it's an incredible uh, statistic that you're right, should be, should be talked about um, a lot more. You know, I can understand to, to just mention the last point and why fans would like have their, have one eye on, on the relegation trapdoor. But when you see a, a statistic like that and how they've achieved it, and they've beaten some big teams this season as well, Bournemouth, Norwich, Preston. Preston were up the top when they beat them. And, and they've, they've, uh, they should have got something out of Brentford. This comes up a lot, and Nathan keeps referring back to it. Should have got something out of Brentford, should have got something out of Blackburn, should have got something out of Huddersfield. Huddersfield, uh, not necessarily so much anymore, great shakes, but a very recently very recently a Premier League side. Uh, to achieve that on, you know, in championship terms, less than a shoestring budget <laughs> uh, is absolutely remarkable. Um, uh, and that's, you know, to, to, to be in the position where you can consolidate as a mid-table team and, and, and have the confidence to say that we are not thinking about relegation, not even saying the word, but in fact, we're looking up the table, shows how far Luton have come. If you, you know, this time last season, uh, it was fairly, it was fairly doom and gloom. <laughs> you know, I, there was no chance in my mind Luton was staying up. Um, and they did. Uh, and more than just staying up this term, they are, they're pushing on, they're progressing. You know, we've already spoken about all the stuff in the background that's going on to try and help improve this football club. I think if you're looking up and down the championship with, with um, you know, clubs that are so in debt, with owners that people despise, um, with results not going their way, thinking they're, thinking they're better than they are, you, you know, if you look at, um, you know, Birmingham, for instance, who, who don't seem to believe they're in a relegation battle, or you look at Derby, who've splashed so much money on star-studded names and managers. To, to, ha to be a club that is really living within its means and punching above its weight, but for it to not really be unexpected, maybe is a word I'd use, is an incredible feat. And um, yeah, we should, we, we should sing about it a bit more. I think probably maybe the only reason we don't is because um, people aren't often want to stand back and look at the bigger picture. It's about, you know, the result that happened in the last game or, the, you know, the game that's coming up. But overall, um, if you're a Luton fan, it must be great to be, uh, it must be great to be a Luton fan. Yeah, Tony, I, I, I kind of think that one of the reasons why this perspective, as, as I mentioned a minute ago, you know, it's, it's, it's all or nothing in the world, isn't it? Not necessarily just in football. There's, there's a few reasons for me why maybe perspective isn't looked upon. Firstly, we don't feel quite as um, 
attached to results as fans because we're sitting watching it on a computer screen as opposed to in the ground where there's that investment that we've made in both our time, our effort, our energies and everything else. So maybe, maybe there is that. And obviously the second reason would be we haven't scored as many goals, which is fine. You cannot deny we haven't scored as many goals. But on the flip side of that, and I'm a person who, if I, if I see a reason for something, you know, oh, we haven't scored many goals. Well, there has to be a flip side to it. And the flip side of that is after 29 games last season, and this is no detriment to anyone involved or anything like that, we'd conceded 63 goals. Cameron Carter-Vickers had just made his debut at West Brom um, earlier that month, and, and we were just about to improve. But we'd conceded 63 goals. Now we've conceded 31 goals this season. That's an amazing difference. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it certainly is, and nobody can decry that. Um, again, you know, perspective for me is it, 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 being able to step back and look at it and, and see that there's progress been made and uh, look at the bigger picture and what the aim is and where we're, we're trying to go as a club. But too many people, I, I feel, live in the now, and it's, it's an all-or-nothing... Um, situation for them isn't it you know you're either up here or you're down here a great man once said never too high never too low and I think that's um what we need to to be I mean certainly when when I was younger watching football I, I, I was very much like that you know for me you, you, you know lose at home was the end of the world I could just about cope with losing away but now watching the football on the telly um you know I've very much got the the, the um attitude that if we win we win if we lose we lose you know there's no point in me getting upset about it um you know that's not going to change anything and that's part of of football that's um do you think think, tony that 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 perspective you know if you win we win if you lose or lose is 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 helped by the fact that you know the club is in such good hands yeah definitely and and you know, I don't want to keep harping on about it, but the, 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 what we've been through over the last 10 years um, certainly gives you or helps to give you that perspective. And it's Yeah, always- I'm, the, I'm the same with that. Since 2003, a defeat has never felt as uh, hard to take as, as it was pre-2003. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I'd always wanted, you know, you know I, don't, I can't remember a time where I wanted to go at home in the league, unbeaten all season, you know, and even in some of our greatest campaigns, 81, 82, that didn't happen. We lost two home games. Uh, It was the same when we won League One before 2004, 2005. But League One, when we got promoted last time, unbeaten at home. And that was one of the things I wanted to see. Um, But I think it it also comes with age. You know, you, you, you think, do you know what? I love my football club and I'd do anything for it. You know, it's been one of the constants in my life. I love Luton Town. Um, you know, I've, I've, like like a lot of us have stood up and, and, and shouted our peace and, and, and helped the club to survive. But there are other things in life, you know, like the situation that's going on at the moment with this awful pandemic, you know, puts it into perspective and that's the real perspective for me yeah football's all about highs and lows and the great thing about being a Luton fan it is a roller coaster you know you're up you're down you follow a big club 
Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal. And you think what you look at what they're moaning about. Oh, we're dreadful. We haven't won for so many games. You think, hell, how would you cope if you'd been kicked out of the league? Yeah. How, how would you cope with that? If, 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 you know, and the beauty of it, even when the last time we were in the top flight, going into games against, against sides, you know, there's no big deal. We're expected to lose. Fine, if we lose, great. But if we turn you over and beat you, yeah. When you beat Liverpool or you beat Man United or you beat Arsenal, especially at Wembley, do you know James that Arsenal have never beaten Luton at Wembley? I suspected, yeah. <laughs> Amazing statistic, that is. Uh, so uh, it, it reflects life. You, you, you're ups and downs. Nothing ever goes right. When something goes right, it, life is good. Life is wonderful. But at the moment, with everything, it is a fantastic time to be a Luton fan. Regardless of the result last night, you know, the world's our oyster and it might be slow and it, it certainly does seem like it's coming together. And I'm so proud of my football club and what they, the, the 2020, what they've done. And not only that, um, my fellow trust board members, you know, people in the trust and how we've all come together for these battles over the years and we fought them. You know, and it, even people who are, not, you know, who have joined in and, and wanted to help us. So I think that's real perspective. And I'm sorry I got on my soapbox. I think another thing, you know, just to add to the perspective, you know, QPR, Derby, Nottingham Forest, Huddersfield, Sheffield Wednesday and Birmingham are all below us. These mm. are established historically huge clubs, maybe not Huddersfield, maybe they're more recent, but the other five that I've mentioned, yeah, they were in the top flight when we were in the top flight and, and long before and, and since. So for them to be below us, that says to me everything that um, everything that anyone needs to, needs to know, really. Uh, and actually, that brings us on to the next subject because um, we'll have a look at the matches to come between now and the international break because an awful lot of those sides that I've just mentioned we come up against, but not not first of all, James. First of all, we come up in well. Uh, how many of you media types are going to call it the Nathan Jones Derby? Eh? I mean, obviously it's the Tom Ince Derby in reality, but um, Stoke away, Jesus Christ, to be in in the, in the away end on Saturday because you know there's a certain Welshman in their ranks that would be getting a bit of dogs abuse, and I'm not talking about Nathan Jones because he's in our ranks now, but. Um, Obviously, Reese Norrington Davies. It would be a great atmosphere, but unfortunately, not to be the case. But what do you what do you make of the game? They've been in free fall a bit recently. Beat Sheffield Wednesday last night, I know, but their results have been a bit well, been been very hit and miss. They have. They're like, but they're like Cardiff for me. They're sort of hard working and um, horrible to play against. And Luton haven't really had a great deal of success of late against them. Um, I, I'm really not interested in it in in the in the aspect of Nathan Jones going back because without fans there, who cares? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's there's going to be no back and forth about it whatsoever, and 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 we're not going to see him going up to thanking Doris the tea lady for his time or anything like that. So it's going to be irrelevant. So, <laughs> um, you know, and 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 Tom Ince can't play. Um, so, uh. uh I, I really don't see Luton getting anything though because of uh, of the games that have, the games that they played previously against them. Um, 
So I'm not, I, I am not expecting anything, and uh, if they get something, that would be a bonus. But that's that's kind of par for the course at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there, there is there is a theme at the minute that we are in amongst a run of games against sides that, as I kind of said earlier, if COVID were football teams, we're coming up against all of them because there's nothing pretty to watch about Stoke, and there's even less pretty to watch about Millwall, Tony, and Christ alone. I've no idea why Sky keep on thinking this is a game to put on their screens because if you're a subscriber to those channels, you must be wanting your money back if you don't support either side because the first three games, Luton, Millwall, pants. And I'm sure next Tuesday is not going to be much better, but the good thing is it is a game that we can win. Yeah, I, I actually think we can win both games, Stoke and Millwall, uh, but we need to get it right. Um yeah, very, very. I think both sides are very similar to Cardiff. I mean, Millwall are big and physical as well. Um, so we're going to have to mix it, and you know, I, I, it depends upon who's fit. I think um, we'll look a lot better if Lockyer, Pearson, and uh, Bradley are all there. But at the moment, we don't know, do we? Um, so I, I, I think we've got a couple of physical battles coming up. Um, and if we come away with two points out of those games, I'll be happy. Yeah, I'm no physio, and we should actually have mentioned it earlier, um, but looking at how he uh, was when he went off, if we see Tom Lockyer again this month, I'd be delighted, but very surprised. Um, he didn't look in a good in a good way, and it's always those ones where the leg gets contacted above the ground, you don't know what damage it does. Did Nathan say after the game it was his ankle that he'd opened up, James? Yeah, he's turned his ankle, but he couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't say at that point, you know, what the what the extent of the damage was. And you know, I was kind of hopeful that it might not be too bad because he played on for a little bit. But you never know, do you? Um, yeah, I do. I do worry. Yeah, I fear the worst there. I must admit. Um, you've both said Birmingham were the worst team you've seen, but Sheffield Wednesday gave them a bloody good run for their money at Hillsborough earlier on in the season. Um, they were absolutely terrible. Hopefully, they are equally as bad when they come down. Uh, in the last in the last Saturday of February, this surely is a game we must be targeting three points from, James. And if there are any lingering issues with relegation, we can pretty much put them to bed with a win in that game. Yeah, you you would think so. They're really in. They're really in. I, I thought that they would have gotten out of it by now um, with the talent they have. They're really in a quite a bit of bother, I think. And um, yeah, what you want to do is. Uh, Put them in more bother. Uh, I think, yeah, that's a winnable game for me. I, I would want three points out of that. Yeah, I would certainly agree. Uh, I think Millwall thrashed them 4 0 recently. So, I mean, that kind of highlights their um, potential lack of quality. It's another team below us that you would really not expect to be below us. And that's no disrespect to us. And actually, a boost to um, how well we're doing, Tony, is Nottingham Forest. Obviously, last year, the famous quote, they're twice European champions and all this, that and the other came to bite Graham Jones on the arse. But um, as for an away game, that's probably a game that, you know, we might fancy getting something from. And the home game, we certainly should have won, shouldn't we? So uh, hopefully we can do, do justice at the city ground. Another game that you just wish we were going to because it's a great place to go. Mm, uh, yeah, I... <laughs> I had to laugh at that quote last season, though, because you, you can you can look at it and yeah, yeah, Huddersfield 
won the uh, the league title three years on the trot back in the 30s, didn't they? So <laughs> look at them now. You can, you can say that about any club. I can't believe James didn't get his reaction for Preston's league, league title wins in 1876 or whenever they were formed. I mean, that's schoolboy era, that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to do the double as well, Preston, I can't remember. Um, you know, the, the trouble is I look at this and Forest have always been a bit of a bogey team for us yeah. certainly in, in, in recent years um, in cup finals they are that is for sure yeah um, even in the league they are as well but um, I, th- I think we should be looking at beating them um, but they blow, they blow hot and cold don't they for us let's hope we catch them on, a, on an off day I think yeah one team we're definitely going to have to catch on an off day, but we've done it before at their ground, James, is Norwich. If Simon was with us, I'm sure he'd be telling the world how we're going to beat them, like he did them for the home game. But that is a tough one, isn't it? Norwich away. Again, you'd love you'd love crowds to be in there because what an atmosphere it was last time we went there and, you know, special memories and everything. But if we can come away from there with a win, I know we beat them at home, but we had fans in that day. Um, that's a tough one. It's a tough one, but I, I think Luton play quite a lot better against these uh, sides that want to play football, and they'll think that they can play Luton off the park. And as we've seen, they're not—they're not, you know. But the fact that they've conceded half as many goals as they had at this point last season, they're very much more a difficult prospect to try and break down. So um, <clears throat> I thought it was interesting in the home game where. Um, Max Aaron's didn't really get a sniff, um, uh, but they have got so much talent, haven't they? Um, uh, strength and depth. Uh, but if uh, you know, you know, Tony's saying that the Forest are a bit of a bogey side, maybe Luton are a bit of a bogey side for Norwich because beat them twice this season. Uh, you know, beat them in the FA Cup. Oh, sorry, FA Cup. seven years ago, eight years ago. Yeah. Um, so you know, you, you, you're fans are always quick to say the X, Y, and Z club are our bogey club, but you've got to be a bogey club to somebody, haven't you? So uh, maybe it's Norwich. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it'd be a good game to watch anyway. Because unlike the sides that we mentioned prior to that, at least they try and play football. I'm not sure Rotherham United do, Tony. Um, they didn't play much football when we went up there. We got a win, one of our famous 1-0 away wins. Um, that starts three home games uh, in a row. And we've got to be looking at three points from that. Again, that's another game that if if there are re- relegation fears doing the rounds, we can put them to bed with a win. You, you would have thought so. Yeah, I'll be looking for three points um, against Rotherham. But they're, they're one of these sides, just they're down there and they're struggling. But they do pick up the odd surprising result here and there. Um, you know, I, I want three points from them, but at the same time, Rotherham are one of the sides that I hope survive um, purely because I, I know some people who are Rotherham fans and you couldn't wish to meet nicer people and uh, I hope I do hope they stay up, but not at the expense of get, getting points of us. No, indeed. One team that's got no fears about staying up, James, uh, is Swansea, one of the prettier sides to watch in the league, actually. Um that's, that's, that's another tough game, isn't it? They've got promotion aspirations. The two times that they've beaten us, they've beaten us pretty well. Uh, I know we beat them at their place last season under, under Nathan, but 
they look a good side to me and um, that might be a tough one. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> they, they got the impression, <clears throat> at least for me, of a team that's going to be um, on the up from now towards the end of the season and, and be one of the, the favourites to, to go up probably through the playoffs. Um, but yeah, they, they are a strong side. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I don't... I think it's about time they dug out some draws that they deserved, isn't it? So that'd be a that'd be a good result up there, I reckon. Yeah, if we get a point from that, that'd be fantastic. But I don't think we'll accept a point from the next one, Tony. When Coventry come here, I don't think anyone wants to remember the away game. But hopefully, we'll uh, we'll remember the home game against them. We usually, have good games down here, don't we? But three points be yeah uh, more more required than a result. Yeah, yeah. I, that, this is another one of the the games where I'd, I would expect three points. Um, you know, they, I, I, again, you look at Coventry. They're they're another one that that's blowing hot and cold. Um, you know, I, I I think we'll probably you know have too much for them. I think at the end of the day, I, I think we're a better side than they are. And um, I think Collins will be up for this one as well, won't he? You would think so. He usually um, scores against them, doesn't he? So. Uh... That, that would be handy if he does that again. Finally, then, James, going into the um, international break, which I'm sure nobody wants. Uh, trip to Preston, you know, those champions of 1874 or whenever it was. <laughs> we gave them a right good chewing down here, didn't we? Um, but it'll be a much harder game up there. Yeah, or, will it, or will it? I mean, I think... They shouldn't have come away with anything from the last time Luton went up there. So, um, you know, I can only really judge from this season of that game uh, at, at Kenrose Road. But the fact that Luton were so good against them, maybe again, it's it's one of those clubs where Luton have their number. Um, I, I think I think it wins up perfectly achievable up there. To be honest. Well, let's hope so. One thing we do know is Jaden Stockley's not going to score against us. So. Uh... That is a good thing. He's playing at Charlton now, isn't he? So um, there is something like eight games in amongst that lot. Uh, sorry, nine games in amongst that lot. Do we just simply go down the, down the line of two points per game for 18 points and we'll take that? <laughs> um, It'd be nice, wouldn't it? I think I think 18 points sees Luton safe. Uh, so, yeah, it would be nice. I think they'll probably just be a little bit a little bit shy of that. I don't think they're going to get safe to... Well, I think much. 15 points sees us safe, doesn't it? That gets us on to 52. That's more than what we got last season and we stayed safe last season. So even if we got 15 points, there's five home games in there. If you just level it out, you win all the five home games. Jobs are I, good. I, I've gone on written record saying that I reckon it'd be 55 points though, so I'll stick into that. I mean, out of that lot, I, I think I'll be happy taking 10 points Fair enough. As long as we make progress, I guess that ultimately is the main thing. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how it all plays out. And uh, hopefully there's some entertaining games in there, even if there are some against some pretty brutal sides as well. Chaps, let's kind of take things away from uh, Luton Town as, as a whole. And let, let's kind of look at uh, a wider issue in football. And, and it's brought up because of the championship, actually, because, James, I'll come to you first. I noticed at the weekend... There was a statement put out on Brentford's, I don't know if it was their website or their social media or something or other, but they 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 made a statement supposedly as a squad 
they're not taking the knee no more because they don't think it's having any kind of impact which is absolutely their their right and no one's saying you have to take the knee or at least i don't think they are I, i'm just interested in your view on that also in light with you can barely go on social media these days and follow a famous footballer by famous i'm talking a premier league footballer particularly a black one who is not posting up racist abuse posts particularly when their football team has lost a game now incredibly there are actually some idiots and they have to be idiots who are doing this to marcus rashford the one bloke who's done good in the world in the last 11 months so that kind of shows you the level of or lack of intellect that's available here but I want, I want to ask you two questions. Firstly, this taking the knee. We do do it. We did it last night, and, and, and that's, uh, that's fine. Is that something that you would support, both as a human being and as a football fan? And secondly, what should social media um, platforms be doing to stamp this out? <clears throat> I mean, on the, on the taking the knee uh, thing, I think it's uh, down to... a uh, a personal choice I think because Luton have gone from taking the knee to doing the semicircle hug thing now they're back to taking the knee and I know not everyone does it at the grounds when I, I, I see see them there and uh, obviously Brentford have, have decided not to I think there's another club that said it as well uh, was it was it QPR could have been yeah QPR maybe um said it before so I think it's a sort of personal choice I understand the sort of arguments that it's it's now sort of just a, an expected thing that just happens at the beginning of the game and doesn't maybe have the the impact that if you're replacing Tom Lockyer on Saturday though would you take the knee would I take it I'd, I'd take I would take the knee because I'm firmly in support of what the actual cause is is for I fully support um, Black Lives Matter and I'm a, I'm, I'm quite uh, disappointed. Uh, maybe that's not even the strong, the, the strongest term I should use. I think it's outrageous that um, throughout the world, um, and particularly politically, there are some people in power, some people that formerly in power, who are um, suggesting that Black Lives Matter are some sort, some form of political group that shouldn't exist now i i uh, haven't looked fully into the organizational structure of black lives matter but even if they are a political organization why is that a bad thing why why shouldn't have why shouldn't black people have a political movement that that um speaks speaks for them i think it's perfectly acceptable um but I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they are. I, I think for me, it's just um, people using their voice and using their platform to, to stand up for something that is absolutely abhorrent in our society. Uh, and that's, that's racism. That's racism. Um, so if you feel that taking the knee um, supports that, then do it. I, I, I've got no, absolutely no problem with it. I think that there should be more awareness of the, the, the situation, more, more awareness of of racism, and uh, the more teaching of Black history, for instance. I think there's a lot of whitewashing. Uh, it's not not the best term, sorry, but that there's a lot, <clears throat> a lot of whitewashing of 
of the the, the history of uh, black black colored people in the world, particularly in relation to our country and uh, particularly into relation to America. Uh, and, and there needs to be more of it, more of it brought out and and, and taught to people. I've got no no qualms with um, people knowing that we haven't been the 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 most benevolent of countries throughout our entire history. I think it's ridiculous to think that we are. So um, you know, from that perspective, I think there needs there's still a lot more work to be done. And uh, you know, when it first when it first broke last season and people started doing it. I took the time to to to, to read up a little bit more and uh, and listen to listen to people. Um, one one person in particular very fond of is um, the rapper Akala. Speaks very very knowledgeably on uh, on the whole um, history of, of of black culture and uh, uh, and so I could advise people to go and listen to him because you you're obviously not getting it from the mainstream sources, which is disappointing. Uh, and I think that's probably leads into the to the second point as to why uh, why we're still having to deal with this 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 scourge uh, of racism and why it crops up and not even crops up it's just a horrible infection across social media uh, where people emboldened by anonymity and sitting behind a keyboard think that they can abuse a, a, a fellow human uh, like that and I, I think there's only one one way that that should be dealt with on social media uh, you know in isolation and that's to kick those people off it the minute they say one thing they need to get kicked off it you know I followed someone like uh, I follow someone like uh, Stan Collymore on on Twitter because I think it's a very um, good pundit and more often than not <clears throat> he'll either get abused for his past actions which he's held his hands up to and apologised for and I think if you can't allow people to change and admit where they were wrong then there's something wrong with you or he'll get um, racially abused and he's one person that doesn't stand for it and he'll repost that and report it to the police and he's got a track record of getting um, people convicted for, for those those behaviours. Has he gone? Yeah, I'll come to you on this one then, Tony, because, you know, just recently, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go with the social media um, angle for a minute. Mm. Just, recent, just recently, Donald Trump basically led a, led a, um, a march onto, you know, Capitol Hill, yeah. in, in all but not, not doing anything. And it, and it took a third video of him uh, reacting to you know election results and things like that for social media companies to finally ban him. Now he's you know he's, whatever happens in American politics and the fact that he's got away with it and everything else is irrelevant. But the fact that they've allowed him to incite that level of hatred, that level of carnage with his videos on Twitter for so long, kind of says to me there's an irresponsibility in social media companies. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of social media companies, they, they concentrate too much on, on banning people for stupid reasons. Um, I can think of one example, actually, where um, this woman uh, was on, on Facebook was advertising uh, paintings that she did, and, and she did a painting. And in this painting, it was just a painting, uh, and there was a gun in the painting. 
it wasn't glorifying anything or anything like that. And they banned it and they, they closed her account. I'm sure it was Facebook, but don't, you know, don't quote me on that. And I, I thought that that's ridiculous. And, and then, as you said, you've got somebody like um, Donald Trump who's stirring up racial hatred right from the word go with a lot of what he said about Mexicans and, and uh, you know, black people. And, and it took a long time to, to close that down. And actual, actually, you find that in this com- country as well with certain people, um, you know, vilifying immigrants and putting out misinformation about people. Now, you know, looking at the the Black Lives Matter thing uh, and taking the knees, um, to me, I look at it and I think, what's all the the fuss about? You know, people are going down to show solidarity and respect with a certain section of society. It takes literally seconds. So what's the big deal? I mean, it's like everything else. People want to make cap, you know, political gain out of it and capitalise on it and, and use it to um, point the finger uh, at certain um, sections of society. The thing is, you know, they look at it, Black, black Lives Matter, and, and it's taken out, well, other people's lives matter as well, you know, but that, they, they don't get it because what that movement saying Black Lives Matter is actually saying Black Lives Matter as well. Now, I thought whoever came up with Black Lives Matter, they missed a trick here because they should have called it Black Lives Matter too. You know, and, and, and that's the whole thing because, you know, you, you still see it in this country, that um, in this country, in America, all over the world. There's various forms of racism, and everybody thinks it's black and white, but it's not. There's all sorts of racism going on between, you know, as I said, white Americans and and uh, Mexicans, and and uh, the Mexicans trying to get into America are only doing what the white people's ancestors did. You know, I I, I find the hypocrisy just staggering and unbelievable. You know, and I look at it, well, you're not really an American because you're not a Native American, are you? And if you look at this country, um, this country is built on immigration. And you look throughout history, going back thousands of years, it's been about people coming into this country and building it and making it the society it is. And and, and when you, you know, sometimes I, I, I'm fearful, you know, at the moment, there's a big thrust in trying to find alien intelligence. Well, if there is any alien intelligence out there, I don't think they really want anything to do with us because, you know, you, you look at it and, and, and they'd be looking at it and say, are we crazy? You know, some person has a different skin pigment to you and, and, and you're vilifying them and, and, and making out that they're inferior, you know. And, and, and I say, you know, I, I, I think the, the whole thing is crazy because people are people. It doesn't matter where they're from. Everybody's got the same ambitions. Everybody's got the same hopes and wants. They want a better life. They want a good life for their children. You know, uh, that's all they want. People want to live together. And, and the thing is, if it's left to the ordinary people, that's fine. But these political leaders, you know, certain factions, and I don't care whether you're left, right, or whatever, you, you, you get it. I mean, the, 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 the road I live in, it's a close. It's not called a close, but it's a close. And we have families here. My next door neighbours are Hungarian. Um, next door, they're, they're Asian, the other side. We've got Africans here. 
we've got people from the same background as me, um, Irish, you, you, you've got different people and everybody gets on, you know, everybody gets on. I mean, we couldn't either side, we couldn't wish for better neighbours, the Hungarians or, 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 or the Asian people, you know, they're great, they look out, they look out for us, don't tell oh, we chased somebody off who was trying to get into your car or something like that. And the Hungarians next door, they have fantastic parties. <laughs> you know, they, to it and they have a cooking pot out in the garden, they're doing goulash and it's wonderful. <laughs> so, you know, celebrate people's differences and, you know, I just, oh, sorry, are I, 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 you getting me on my soapbox again? I don't want to go on any longer, mate. So. James, you got, you got cut off um there you were in full flow with regards to social media i mean you know how would you like to see social media companies take responsibility for all of this i mean it's their it's their platforms and and as i said to tony while she was away you know people like donald trump created so much hatred that you know the uh, capitol hill got stormed and things like that and and it's still twitter and facebook didn't ban him until he refused to take it you know acknowledgement of it i mean you know why are social media companies letting this happen for so long i think unfortunately the social media companies actually profit from uh the the traffic in hatred really it, it boosts their numbers um, somehow i think it's it's not a very uh, edifying thing to be on a um, platform really that is supposed to I mean the whole, it, the whole thing about the internet it was supposed to bring us closer together and it hasn't it has it, it's had somehow it's had the opposite effect uh, and so either uh, you know the, the the digital experiment hasn't worked or we still don't understand how to use it you know 20 odd years on and i think there's an element of truth in both of those um you know certainly when it comes to social media you know we 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 see we, we tend to think that because it's such an, a, a big influence in most of our lives that that use it um and it's it's so it's there all the time in your pocket or on your laptop we seem to think that it's been around for for quite a long time and really in the grand scheme of things it hasn't um, but it has been, to my mind, hijacked by uh, negativity. You know, in the early days, Twitter was a fun place, um, but but now you you know, there's, if, if it's not you know hatred and racism, it's people trying to cancel you for X, Y, and Z. And you know, I, I, I don't know where it lead, where it leads for most of those things, but I do know that if you're being uh, hateful to somebody else. And in this instance, we're talking about racism. You're being hateful for the colour of their skin, largely. Then you don't deserve to be on that platform, and you should be kicked off. And they have the wherewithal and the means to do that, but it's whether they have the, you know, political and, and business will to to enact that change, because uh, it might affect <laughs> it might affect their stock price, whatever it is. I I don't know. I'm 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 not. I don't know the, the the finances of it, but 
there was an interesting point I, I, I got from uh, another podcast, which is not about football, which I'm, I'm very keen on, called uh, One Conversation from the End of the World. So it's not my, it's not my uh, point, but it's one that is constantly brought up by uh, one of the presenters there, Luke Griffiths, is that the social media companies have to realise or have to take a standpoint that they are now a, a digital nation. They've got so much power. They are effectively a nation. Uh, and their platforms have the power to do, like you've already said, which is cause an insurrection in, you know, in the seat of democracy and in one of the biggest countries in, in one of the biggest countries in the world. It's, it's, it's frightening what can happen there. And, uh, and people will sort of jump to the free speech argument. You can say what you want. No, that's not how free speech works. Free, you can, free speech, say, for example, of America, because they've got the constitution, means you can say what you like without persecution from the government, but it doesn't mean you don't have any consequences from it. And the, those consequences should be you don't get, if you can't play nice, you don't get to play with the toys. <laughs> simple you should get kicked off and, and it, it's exactly the same for these idiots that are you know going on social media to have a go at, at footballers quite apart from the fact that they are successful human beings because they are footballers earning money that you wish you could and you think that you're better than them it's beyond bonkers to me you know tony was talking about the historical point of view and I always find it very troubling with racists that, that they always seem to pick an arbitrary point in history where things, well, you can't look back any further than that. But the scientific evidence is we all started out in the Rift Valley in Ethiopia, the human race started there, we were all black. And it's only migration to colder places where our skin pigment changed. So if anything, white people are the mutation. <laughs> So right, that's a whole other kettle of fish, but it, it's beyond me why you can say, no, England is a white country. You know, we, we are, none of us came from England. We migrated here and it, it's, it's just ridiculous. I, 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 don't, I don't get racism because so much of the culture that I like and consume comes from uh, black origins. And I think if you if you don't if you don't like any of that stuff, your life must be pretty boring. <laughs> if you don't like if you're a racist, where do you like music? Because so much of it is from a black origin. I think maybe you're, maybe you're just a fan of German umpa music, and then you're weird anyway, aren't you, sir? I think as well, I, I, I look at it and I, I think if a lot of these people who profess to be re religious actually followed the doctrines of their religion, you, you wouldn't get so much discrimination or hatred. You know, I, I honestly think a lot of it is down to doctrines and creeds that people follow. I think it's sad, isn't it, that we've got to a situation though where football players uh, at a club, two clubs, QPR. I've kind of forgotten that, but I've seen them do it since then. So that's probably why I've forgotten that. I've got to a state where they think that their actions are not having any effect. I mean, that should never be the case. You know, 
these actions should, whatever, however big or small the effect is, should always have an effect. And, you know, I, like everyone else, would support everyone who is, who is doing their bit, however small, however big, using their platforms and everything else to, um, to make a change in the world, whether that's racism, whether that's, you know, everything else that's going on in, in everyday life. So hopefully the Brentford players can find some way of uh, using their platform to their um, capabilities. We're going to finish off chaps um, back at back in Luton. And uh, I know you've both got long runs to come in off um, on this one. Tony, I'll come to you. Um, Kootenai Road, since we last did a podcast, uh, it had already been, the lease for the site had already been refused. Um, but the Liberal Democrats actually made use of themselves for once and kind of got the discussion reopened, only for it to go back behind closed doors with the, well, I would say exact same outcome in the overall scheme of things, but slightly less unanimous by all accounts. Nothing's been published, but it's only kind of vibes that we've got on things. This is kind of all, this is clearly all kinds of wrong, but where do you stand on it now, based on the fact that so many people have um, filled in Rachel Hopkins's survey about the situation. So clearly there's a, a, a strong will of the people to have uh, this discussed better. Where do you stand as, as a Lutonian who this has a big impact on you as a taxpayer? Oh, God, yeah. I, I mean, my opinion hasn't changed since the last podcast. In, in, in fact, my feelings have gone a, 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 a bit deeper and... I've got very angry over this. I mean, I, I, I sent an official email in um, from the trust and I sent one in as a private person, as a, as, a, as a council taxpayer in Luton. And I got the same whitewash reply um, to both. I, I emailed my three local councillors and got the same. And uh, I fired off a reply um, to saying I, I, I do not accept their answers um, because um, obviously I, I didn't use the language in my email, but it's total bullshit and it's totally ridic totally ridiculous. Um, the, the, the word we're getting from the council as this is more to do with egos within the council. Um, we have heard that it wasn't a unanimous decision it was a split decision, but because of things like collective responsibility, they'll come out and say uh, everybody voted the same way. Well, we know that's total rubbish. Um, and I think it's come down to a uh, few individuals who think they're more important than the people of Luton. These councillors need to be reminded that they're not there for their own interests or what they think. They're there to represent us and what we want, and overwhelmingly the people of Luton want this lease to go to the football club because of the benefits it will get in the local area. And I'm, I'm also extremely angry about the fact that uh, they're turning down income. And now I don't care how large or how small that income from the football club would be, the fact that they can do that and leave a piece of land, and let's face it, this piece of land, it, 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 in reality, is wasteland, okay? There's enough room to build three schools on a bloody site, you know, and, and uh, 
it's projected that the demand for school places in Luton will, will, will fall, even with all the building work that's going on. So their idea of they want it for education is absolutely ridiculous. And this thing that they're worried that they don't think the football club can um, actually organise uh, them using the dome and it being available for it. Well, actually, if you look at Luton Borough Council, they couldn't organise a piss up in a brewery. So, so what do they know about it? Okay, their track record is not great. And then ultimately, the, the icing on the cake, as I said, is they're turning down a legitimate source of income. Yet, to all of us who are counter-tax players, and I know James is in this bracket as well, they're increasing our bills. They want an extra £40 a year, which, when you even it out, is not a great deal of money. But there are people that it's going to affect. They want an extra £40 a week, a, a year from us to um, pay for our garden waste collection, which um, we got as part of our council tax bill before. So I, I think that's absolutely disgraceful. You know, okay, it might be if we want to carry on with the, the, the waste collection. But I'll tell you now, there's, I know people who, who, who won't do it. They'll just put it in their black bin, put it under a load of stuff. Or they'll take it to the dump and get rid of it themselves. I, I, I think they seriously need a good shake-up. You know, and I think these councillors need to remember that at some point there will be a reckoning. You know, at some point they're going to have to stand for, um, for re-election. And I, for one, will not forget, and I'll make sure everybody I know living in London doesn't forget it. And I certainly... Um, I mean, in agreement, and I think the rest of my board members will feel that way. We'll make sure that trusting, uh, you know, Luton Town Supporters Trust members will not forget either. And we'll encourage everybody we can to actually vote against Labour. Now, that for me goes against the grain for me. Um, but I, I certainly would do that. And, and if people decide, do you know what? We're sick and tired of it. We want to stand in the election. They'd have my full support. Because this, this is just a crazy, ridiculous situation. And uh, I'd just like to say that Save Our Town, I think, are standing up and, and doing a good job on this as well. The latest statement has been great, and, and they've been telling the council a few home truths. And, uh, you know, they have our full support, and, and both ourselves and Laura Luton, who we do work closely with, will be monitoring the situation closely and seeing what we do. I, I, I think the council don't fully realise just what they're taking on here. You know, as, as supporters, we, we, we've had so many battles over the year and we haven't lost one yet and we're not going to lose this one. But it's not just the supporters, it's the people of Luton as well. This council needs to listen to us and do what the people want, not what they think is best for themselves or for their egos. Rant over. I said um, Tony was lined up to come in off his long run, and judging by the squeaking in the background, he brought his dog with him as well, which is uh, <laughs> fair enough. James, uh, you're almost even more important here because as long as you're more accurate than the Cardiff City throw-in taker, you're actually a stone's throw away from this uh, sort of area. Um, so I'm interested in your views, again, as a taxpayer and, and everything like that, but I also want you to... Th this isn't a football issue. Right. We, I've mentioned it on your website. We mentioned it in the last podcast. This isn't a football issue, but it is a football issue. So 
when given your sort of reflections on on the state of affairs, um, I'd like your opinions on a the fact that this is all behind closed doors. As a taxpayer, you should be entitled to more than that. But also to reflect on the fact that Luton Town had to sell or sold a youngster just the other day to Tottenham Hotspur, which isn't actually public knowledge as far as the town's official website is concerned, but it has happened, meaning that the talent of Luton is leaving Luton and going elsewhere, which surely should be against what the council should stand for. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the, 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 the Lutonian aspect of it, because you're right, I live right pretty much next door to Cuton Hope Road. I'm, I'm a stone's throw easily. This is where I live and um, I'm absolutely furious. I was angry the last time when we did this podcast, but for them councillors to have this called in by the Liberal Democrats and then yet again vote to have this discussion and this decision decided in private makes me incandescent. I'm so furious with it. Let's just offer some sort of balance immediately here in that, you know, we need to be kind of level. The reason it was supposed, supposedly the reason it was held behind closed doors or in private was because of commercial issues that um, are in play here. Do you buy, A, do you buy that? And B, even if that is the case, could they not have held the meeting in private, but then the vote's taken place in public? That is exactly, that is exactly it. To me, the commercial sensitivities would be over, you know, price of the land or, you know, the, the, the rental income that they might get. No problem with them keeping that behind closed doors. In fact, I do not give a shit about that. I don't As care how you've no real need to know that. Either, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, in fact, I'd be in favour of Luton Council trying to get as much money out of Luton Town Football Club as they possibly could. I'd be absolutely fine with that, but I don't. I don't need to know. I don't care about it. Hold those discussions in private, fine. But as my local representatives, I need to know what they are voting on and who voted for what. And I don't know. Twice now, I don't know. They've actively voted to hold these things in private and given these commercial sensitivities reasons as an excuse. I've told you there why I think that's bollocks. Now, they also say that they're holding on to the land for future educational use. Now, that is also bollocks. I have outlined in the previous uh, podcast how there, there is a school either side of the land currently, and there's another school about five, maybe 10 minutes walk away. There's absolutely no need for them to be putting any more educational use on there. And let me just tell you a little story. My little girl started school in September. So you have to go and do your due diligence and uh, visit all the local schools to see what, uh, which one might be best for her. Now I went up to Surrey Street School, which was it's, it's the primary adjacent to Cuton Hoe Road and had a tour around there. It was fantastic. The, the facilities are great. The staff were wonderful. All the things that they said that they did with the kids, brilliant. Could not fault it. But I was having a conversation with one of the teachers there and she said that that school is always undersubscribed because of the amount of local schools in the area and the fact that the catchment is uh, 
so uh, it covers most of the town centre that the parents have the ability to send their kids to whatever school they see fit. So for the council to come up and say, when a school right next to it is undersubscribed, they need that land for future educational use is complete nonsense. It's smokescreen stuff. And it infuriates me beyond belief for them to say that because I've lived in this area for 15 years and that, that piece of land has always been a wasteland, nothing there. Now we know that the, the dome would only take up a small proportion of it. And even if they had a development that was gonna come forward for that, we know that the club would give it back. So what is the problem here? And the problem only seems to be these councillors. Now, in the same week that this decision became apparent, they, the council have also announced that they are shutting all of the family children centres in the area. Now I've got one, again, it's a stone's throw from me in Parktown. I've got a young family. When I had my first child, four and a half years ago, that place was an absolute godsend for me. And it was free. They, they asked for a one pound donation if you could afford it, but it was free. The staff there were amazing. Now, uh, when you have your first child, <laughs> for many people to have, and some people are pretty difficult. I don't think anyone really prepares you for it. It's difficult. Uh, and they got us through some tough times, that place. So the council, in their infinite stupidity, have decided to turn down this rental money from Luton Town Football Club, which they should have taken anyway because they owe this to me as a taxpayer, Tony as a taxpayer, and all the other Lutonians. But in turning that down, they've then, because they're so cash-strapped, they've closed down children's centres. Now, what is there for my children growing up in this area that they can have? They, it's, not a, it's not an affluent area where I live. If you put a first-class professional elite dome academy, which the club have said they would allow the local community, local school children to use, in that community, it uplifts the entire community and it gives hope and it gives aspiration to young people. Now, in one week, they've decided they don't need that and they also don't need a vital children's centre, which gives so much support to young families and parents and young kids who may be struggling. It makes me absolutely furious with rage that they would have the balls, the brass neck to, to say that eh, it's educational use and the commercial sensitivities mean we can't even disclose who voted for what. Absolutely furious with it. And I voted, there are three councillors in my area, which is the South Ward. I voted for all of them. They're all Labour. Councillor David Agleby, Councillor Paul Castleman, and Councillor Javera Hussain. I voted for all of you, and you're new, you do not represent my views on this, and I will not vote for you again. It pains me very much that I will not vote for Labour again in this town. It's that bad. Now, if you think that your egos are worth that, crack on. But as Tony said, the strength of feeling around this is such 
that I will happily campaign against all of those. And I will happily support the trust and any other Lutonian, any other Hatters fan to actively campaign against those people to get them out because they are not doing the job that they should do. Now, if those three councillors, I'll say their names again, Councillor David Agerby, Councillor Paul Carsman, Councillor Javeria Hussain, if by small chance they're listening to this, I invite you on this podcast to come and explain yourself, or I invite you to speak to me and I'll do a piece with you on my website, lutonian.com, and you can explain exactly why you think it's a good idea to turn down this money, not get the best, uh, not get a good deal for me as a taxpayer, at the same time that your council is closing down children's centres and charging people 40 quid for getting rid of their garden waste. It's an absolutely disgusting decision. I'm absolutely furious with it. So come on here, come and speak to us, explain yourselves. I tell you what, James, I, I second that totally and I absolutely applaud your words, mate. That offer actually uh, is extended to anyone from the council that is listening to this, not just those three councillors that um, James has mentioned. If anyone from the council wants to come on, debate with us or explain to us uh, the reasoning behind the situation, of what is going on with Kootenai Road, we will give you a fair and balanced um, time to put your points of view across. We will challenge them, as which is what we're here to do, um, but you will be given your time to put your feelings across and whether we agree with that or we disagree with that at least everyone will know that um, things are in the public domain tony yeah i was just going to say what should be pointed out as well here is um and maybe not a lot of people realize this but they actually voted against the recommendations of their officers the officers wanted this lease uh, and the councillors went across it uh, against it i should say um and i i do you know what? They've got to realise the depth of feeling and, and the anger of people in Luton. It, you know, you'd have thought somebody in that executive would have turned around and said, hang on a minute, are you sure you're doing the right thing here? Now, whether it's certain councillors bullying others to try and get, you know, their views through because they're anti-football club, I've actually heard comments from councillors saying, well, what do the football club actually do for this town? You know, if it wasn't for the football club and the airport, nobody would know anything about this town. You know, and the football club does so much for this town. They estimate the, 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 the financial value to, the, to what this club does for the town without, uh, you know, money paid into it. It's 1.6 million at least a year. In the economy so well, just just look at what power court and newlands park was projected to give this community that's not what the, the council aren't doing that they're not providing this community with ten thousand jobs and 250 million pound per year into the local economy that's the luton town football club. But that's what luton town football club does for this town and these councils need to get a bloody reality check maybe that's part of the problem because the football club are doing all this uh the football club have done so much like providing children with the free school meals and everything and maybe some of these camps were thinking oh we should be doing that that's our job not the football clubs but at the same time they're pleading poverty and they haven't got any money well until they come out and explain themselves people are people are just going to think that they're going to think that this smacks of jealousy 
um, they've, they, they see an organisation like Luton Town Football Club who are so benevolent and have the interests of Luton, the town, not just football supporters, in their, their remit and their everyday business dealings. To reinforce what you said about the secrecy thing, the secrecy thing says to me, we've got something to hide. Yeah, until so they come out and say it, all these rumours will continue to swirl around and none of them are favourable on these people. And I've done a little bit of looking into uh, local elections. I know that local elections aren't very well uh, sort of voted for and attended for. Some of these councillors got in on votes sort of as low as 700. You know, that is that is very easily um, challengeable, I would suggest. And they, if they think that their positions in there uh, are, you know, you know, solid or for life, then they've got another thing coming, I think. Um, they, they need to come out and uh, be real with the people of Luton. Yep. They need to say any. They need to say anything. They have said nothing. They're hiding behind a wall of silence, and it's not good enough. Yeah. Once again, that offer uh, that was put forward earlier is uh, is is available to all of the council. In the meantime, you can still have your um, say on what's going on. Um, the MP for Luton, Rachel Hopkins, has put together a survey. Um, it's, it's all across all of uh, the trust social media channels, Save Our Town social media channels, her own personal Save Our. Sarah Owen, the MP for Luton North as well. Is... Sorry, Sarah Owen as well. Yeah, I only saw it on Rachel Hopkins' um, social media myself. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Tony. Sorry, there are two MPs for Luton, of course. Um, it takes two minutes to fill in this survey. Yeah, it's really important that, uh, if you, particularly if you live in Luton, but not just live in Luton, if you work in Luton, you're still... Um, entitled to have your say uh, do fill in the survey and and let them know what your thoughts are and uh, you know hopefully weight of sort of public opinion can um, if nothing else get the answers um, explained to us as um, James requested uh, before we continue let me just reiterate what I said in the first podcast the views of that particular part of the discussion are the views of the people in this podcast, James, Tony, myself. They are not the views of Luton Town Supporters Trust uh, as a whole. Chaps, that's it. We are done for this month. Um, before we go, I just want to say uh, our best wishes go to former town defender James Justin in his recovery from uh, what looks like a horrible injury. It Absolutely. seems like James was on the verge. I mean, he's not just one of the best players in the Premier League this season. I'm sure all town fans have enjoyed watching whilst we've not been able to get out and watch our own team. Seems like he was on the verge of an England call-up, potentially for the Euros as well. So it's it's a real devastating injury. You're still a hatter, James, and um, you still provide great service to the club, even though you play for Leicester. We wish you all the best in your recovery and we hope to see you on a football pitch as soon as is possible. Yeah. Tony, James, thanks for giving your views, as forthright and as honest as ever. Uh, hopefully, the next time we reconvene for a podcast, which may well be in the international break with the amount of fixtures that are coming up and everything else that's going on, uh, hopefully the town have achieved safety or right on the verge of it. And uh, that perspective that we've spoken about can become a reality. Mm. And hopefully the council will uh, see reality and common sense. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me, chaps. Appreciate that. Thanks to you to, for listening. As I mentioned, uh, 
subscribe using the channels which um, you listen to this podcast on. And if and when we can get hold of a player for another podcast, you'll be the first ones to hear about it. Thanks very much, all. Yes. Yes. Yeah.